Hello, and welcome to another episode of Staying With Trouble. I'm Eric Humes. This is Adam Short. And we're staying in trouble. Brought to you by Rooftop Realty in the Rooftop Realty Studios. Look for us today, driving your neighborhoods and planting signs. Is that what you do? I just came up with that. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks. Putting signs everywhere. How many open houses? Do you guys do a lot of open houses? We'll do probably like three or four open houses this weekend. Yeah? Yeah. Right on. So it's tough right now. A lot of the houses. Do you get a lot of people walking through open houses? Uh, We do a lot. Like we, um, on some cases, we make it like a carnival. I kid you not. We we get ice cream machines out. We get prizes. You get the dunk tank out. Get the dunk tank out. Yeah, we fun. Kind of turn it into a, a big community event and and uh, give reason, you know, give people, you know, whatever we can do to attract a little bit more attention and and figure out, uh, you know, whatever we can do to help out the the sales process. So, I got a funny thing to tell you. Great. So uh, I got a funny thing to listen to. <laughs> I uh, so uh, when I was still in school and stuff, Shelly and I would still do date nights once in a while. But sometimes money would get tight, and we don't have a lot of money to go out. We pay all our bills and buy groceries and do all that, and we just have a little, and we just don't want to spend it on that. So we would we find other unique ways to entertain ourselves. One of the ways, uh, we had many different ways, but one of them was we like to go to open houses. And each open house, we make a new name up and a profession and a, a whole backstory. <laughs> And we complete, I, and I, I know you're sitting there like as a realtor, as a professional trying to sell a home, you're like, do we hate people like this? But, uh-huh. but, we, but we would completely lie. Actually, I, I, I wouldn't. Uh, it was I, fun. Yeah, it was fun. So actually having people foot traffic in, whether it's uh, legitimate buyers or not, is actually indifferent. Um, you know, have, the auto mall is successful because why? It's right in your face. Or people can walk freely walk around, right? Well, not only that, but you actually have a bunch of dealerships all in the one place. And it's actually a business uh, principle that they found that actually if you congregate and you are able to create more buzz, like so if you see for as humans, if we it's kind of the herd mentality. And so if we see people going into a house or going to a store, Oh. then it, we're, it makes it easier for us to go in. Other people want to go see what's going on. Well, a FOMO with a little dose of, you know what, that's socially, hey, that's what's socially going on right now. Hmm. And so, that, that's interesting. Yeah, that's, well, if you just think about it, why would you want glass doors uh, for a store? They want to see, they want you to see, see that, inside, that yeah. people, are, people are inside shopping. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, we used to go around and do that. We had no attention of buying the home, but we—I I will be honest—we enjoyed looking at a lot of the homes. They're beautiful homes, but we just we just had fun with that. I, and, well, I call just, that the fun part of, of 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 buying a house is is the window shopping or yeah. the point. Hey, let's go look at houses. Let's really think about this. Yeah, that's the fun part. We used to go to homes that we would no way we can afford. I mean, you could buy them today, easy. I don't think so. But nonetheless, the other thing we used to do is we used to go to. Uh, public places um a, what was that was it called the aladdin before hollywood planet hollywood now yeah, yeah but it had that shopping in there we used to sit on a bench and then we would improv voices of random people out there and we would come up with their conversations of what we think they're talking about 
We used to have a blast with that stuff. Yeah, what happened? We, wow. we still do it every once in a while. We'll go out and people watch or, or we'll or, or, or we'll come up with like different little scenarios like uh, like you know, we see this really old, old guy down in the casino with a very young, very pretty <laughs> girl and you, you, you we kind of pick a scenario and we kind of create it and then I obviously I would play the guy and, and obviously yeah and Shelly and I would have the conversation like if we were them. It, well, it, it what's fun. funny is people kind of still say that about you and Shelly. They're like, oh, there's an old guy with a young girl. So Probably. probably. <laughs> it, it's the white in the beard that, that yeah. really throws everything off big time. So but, speaking of like uh, being able to afford houses, I mean, you're, you're a union man, right? They make yes. big money, right? Uh, they can. They can. I, really, uh, I think like in, a, in, a, in another life, I was like, you know what? I think I'd be really good at being a union boss. A Maybe not boss. a union employee, but a union <laughs> boss. Well, we, uh, I've sat on the other side of tables between union bosses and us as a as a union. Sometimes it goes well, and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, we, we have uh, so I, yeah. You are right. I'm a member of the Plumbers and Pipe Fitters Local 525 here in Las Vegas. 525. Yes, and I've been a member there. I started when I was. I started at the lowest point. We had a, a helper position. It, it, at the time, I got in it in 1998 when the Paris Casino was still being built. And as a helper, I was just I was below an apprentice. So I would just run around, gather parts, sweep floors. I mean, it was like, but you got to meet the guys in the local. You, you got to go through all of that process. And uh, I started there. It paid like 10 bucks an hour, you know, but... Uh, it, it was a good foot in the door type thing. And it's, yeah. it's kind of designed for younger kids that that position is designed for even summertime jobs. Uh, a lot of guys, their kids, high school kids and stuff would get a helper job over the summer on the job site. And they, they learn a lot how these job sites work, uh, how the, how the trade works a little bit. And yeah. then the other thing is you learn in the plumbing and pipe fitting world, the, the parts and fittings and stuff. I mean, if yeah. you ever go down the plumbing aisle at Lowe's, there's hundreds of parts, little parts, all kinds of stuff. And you learn the names of them. You learn what they do and all that stuff. And then, and then you test what, like what, 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 what attracted you to the, you know, plumbers and pipe fitting? I mean, that's, it, 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 it was kind of an accident. Uh, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I, I came home from my, my mission and I tested for uh, Henderson police department Okay, and I failed miserably. <laughs> and it, it was kind of like I, I'll never forget this. I, it, the old convention center on Water Street, which is now going to be the new little ice arena there. Yeah. But uh, the test that was they used that as kind of their testing center at the time. Yeah. And then uh, and I remember I parked my car across the street at the El Dorado parking garage. So I was up on the top floor, and people who know that area can kind of picture it. And uh, I took my test. And found out that it, you kind of know right afterwards, and and I bombed it. Anyways, I went back to my car and I just sat in my car, and I wasn't married at the time. I was uh, I was renting a room at a friend's house, and uh, I there was it was like one of those moments. Like, man, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? I need to right. do something. I need to. And I, I was I was on the fence. I was thinking about joining the Navy and like getting some training there, maybe getting some money, and getting educated that way. Like a lot of people do, I was on the fence on all kinds of things. I just, I just didn't know what to do, and I was working at the time. I was a at Fremont Street, you know, underneath the Fremont Street Experience. Yeah, 
those security guards on the bicycles. Yeah. That's what I was doing. And nice. I was, that's I, impressive. It was a fun, you know what? It, it was actually a fun job. I enjoyed, and that's what kind of got me the idea of maybe going for one of the police departments was yeah. I was kind of doing it a little bit already, but I was mingling with the people and I really enjoyed it. So I was working that and it was, it, it wasn't a job that was going to take me anywhere. It was, it was just a job to give me some money and pay right. for a car and a, and an old cell phone. And so I was just, and then uh, all of a sudden I'm trying to decide what to do. And my grandmother gets in a car wreck and uh, she's in the hospital. And my dad calls me, he says, hey, you should come by. And so I come by and I run into a cousin, an older cousin that's quite a, older than me that I haven't seen in a long, long time. And he was already in the local and he was one of the foremans on the Paris job. And they were looking for helpers. Nice. And he goes, hey, well, why don't you come over here? We'll pay you a little bit more. And you have a chance to get in the trades. It's a good trade. And he just talked it up while we were in the waiting room at Valley Hospital. And so it just happened to be. And then it kind of made sense. And I just I went Stuck for it. it. I quit yeah. I quit at Fremont and went over to, to, to there. And then I kind of enjoyed the trade and talking to the other journeymen and apprentices on the job while I was working there. They told me all about it, and then I, I got in, and I, I tested there, and I actually passed that test <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and got in the apprenticeship and uh, been in it ever since, and I provided a living for my family. And, and, uh, but the big thing is um, what I think, uh, what the biggest thing that the unions that, uh, provide is they do provide a good income, and what they do is as a collective bargaining group, they, as a group, we become just like you were saying, uh, that group mentality, that pack yeah. mentality as a group, as a labor group, we become more powerful to some of these bigger companies. So then we can negotiate better wages, uh, better, uh, working conditions and also benefits. And I think the benefit package is the, is the biggest thing that the unions can provide. So uh, before, uh, and then when I got married, I realized how valuable it was to have that health insurance and, and have that retirement. And then the more I, I learned about, and after 2008, um, I, I learned how valuable it was to have a pension plan yeah. compared to for a 401k and other stuff. Now, those are still good investments. I'm not, I'm not saying that they're bad. As a matter of fact, I even have a 401k with the company I'm with. But my pension with my local is something very valuable. Yeah. And, and the way that works is uh, we, uh, you, you earn it by every hour that you, that you work. So a 40-hour week, you can earn, uh, and it's all broken down. I don't know the exact numbers, but so much of a credit. Yeah. And then each credit, they pay out when you retire, and you pay it to the day you die. So right now uh, in uh, Local 525, if you just do like a 40-hour you're not doing any overtime or anything like that. You could probably earn uh, about a one and a half credits a year. And then uh, we have it set up where uh, you have to have, to be fully vested, you need to have 20 years in. And then to pull it, you have to be a minimum of 55 years old. Why do you think so many kids, so you talked about even your own experience. If your cousin hadn't talked it up, you know, being in the trades wasn't in your radar. Um, I think the great, uh, one of the great, uh, 
uh, beats or personality of Las Vegas is people come here for almost like a second chance. There's like a second chance loan home for yeah. a lot for a lot of people. Not you and I as we we're born and raised here, but for a lot of people, you know what? It didn't work out wherever they were. They come here. You know, it used to be that they would go to dealing school, which was really low entry, you know, easy entry. And, you know, then they could have a job where they're making, you know, 50, 60, you know, 70 grand a year. And so um, they talk about it that actually in the U.S. that the, you know, trades are underserved by a lot. By They could literally double the force and still you know still be underserved and so do you think it's the perception that people like oh you're a plumber so you're not you know you're not that you know you know you're not that valuable or uh what do you what do you think it is that we don't value trades enough because i tell you what as soon as someone's uh you know water heater doesn't work or their toilet is uh, backed up dude they have nothing but respect for the trades. Absolutely. Right? When they're Absolutely. in a pinch, they're like, oh, yeah. You know, that's when they're like, oh, I need a plumber. I'm like, yeah, you do need a plumber because you have no idea. Duct tape can't do everything. No. I I, I, I think we've gotten away with uh, away from that. When I was uh, serving towards the end of my apprenticeship, so it was a five-year apprenticeship I went in, I realized that uh, talking to the other apprentices and other people that, that were getting in the trades – uh, they were guys like myself. That college wasn't really in their scope, but they but they were hard workers. They they loved to be outside. They loved to move around, and and so they they had the same kind of mentality that I did, and uh, and I thought you know there's a lot of people out there, and we all had the same story or something similar that we accidentally came across it. So I used to tell our. Uh, apprenticeship our training and uh coordinator and that's a full-time job down at at our local that a guy who trains not just our journeymen but our apprentices i brought it up to him at the time like you know we really need to go to the high schools because i personally think that that's where uh america has been disconnected from the trades high schools used to have a lot of shop classes they had wood shop and metal shop and auto shop and you would learn some of the basics of each one of those skills and then it was a uh, an entrance to like, hey, this is what I want to do. I took all those classes, and I accidentally came across it with my cousin. But at the same time, I wasn't against it. I loved working with my hands. I loved the satisfaction of building something and then seeing it done. So I, I told him, I said, we need to go to these schools and do little seminars. And, and I even offered. I said, man, I, I would love to help. I would go there and say, guys, if if college isn't in your bounds, if it's a financial thing, or if it's uh, or maybe you're just, hey, I got my diploma. I'm done with school. Or I, I want to take school where I want to take the classes that's really going to benefit me. Or, you know, what join, I- join a trade. I think teachers, and, and I, I, I walk, I tread softly on this subject. I, I don't want to say that, I mean, teachers are extremely valuable. But I think a lot of them, they emphasize so much on just go to college without a plan. Just go to college. And then you rack up this insane debt. And a lot of a lot of people they go to college and they just take classes because they really don't know what they want to do, but they just keep taking classes and taking classes. Where you know, you could I, be building think, the future. I, I think they they need to encourage this. The supply and demand on good quality 
uh, construction workers. And I'm not talking the guys that are on the side of Lowe's or Star Nursery, you know, collecting stuff. I'm talking skilled tradesmen. The trades have been, uh, it, it takes a lot to do this. It takes permits. It takes license. You have to be certified, especially when it comes to plumbing. Plumbing is, uh, we had this big poster, and I learned this in our plumbing classroom when I was in the apprenticeship. We had a big poster that says, plumbers protect the health of the nation. And in hindsight, they do. The worst thing, the one thing humans cannot live without is water. Right. And the one thing humans will always do is defecate. Yeah, yeah I was going to say pollute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and pollute. And those two things go hand in hand. And the importance of keeping those two things completely separate. We know through history that the Black Plague came from pooping upstream and drinking it downstream, you know, yeah. and the cross-contamination between the two uh, can spread disease like crazy. So being certified to do these things correctly, to make bring clean water into your home and bad water out of your home uh, is something that you have to have. I don't care if a recession bad economy at the end of the day you have to drink water and eventually you're going to have to go to the bathroom yeah so it becomes valuable but even the other trades and these homes um not even homes but we're talking you know places where you work places where you recreate absolutely you know all those things is you look at some natural disasters and you look at well why did this building fail why why did this building not work out is a lot of times, you know, there's, you pay what you get for, right? Uh -huh. and, and so if you have someone come in and they do shoddy work, you're probably going to get shoddy results, you know? And same thing is, you know, if you get someone who, you know, you see someone coming from the union, you know, they show up with, with all the tools. They show up with, with the cart, you know, it, they know how to, there's little, there's so many little tips and tricks that YouTube can't cover at all. No, no. And so, uh, I mean, there's a huge difference between, and so I see a lot of value in the union. I agree with you. Like in our, you know, when we were growing up, we had wood shop or you had metal shop. Mm -hmm. And you, a lot of people were talked about, hey, go to Votech, go to Secta. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so it's funny, my father-in-law retired from the school district as a carpenter and you know, people are amazed at what you can build. And it's because a lot of those trades are, are just going away. Like it's not going away, but it's not being passed down. Yeah, exactly. And like, people are like, Oh, I'm afraid Johnny's going to cut his arm, cut his finger. Oh, I'm afraid, you know, I'm afraid Susie's, you know, going to get hurt or something. Mm -hmm. We're all going to get hurt, but maybe we could probably build something that's really cool too. Yeah. And I think uh, one big difference between, um, the union and non-union is a lot of the union workers, this is their career. It's not just a job and it's their craft. It, it, it is what they do, yeah. you know, and, and it's something that they take pride in. When you hire a union carpenter or a union electrician or something, they're going to come in and do the best job because when they're done, those outlets, those lights, those walls, the paint, the texture, that's like their signature on something. Hey, I, I did that. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and that's what, they really, really value it. I think in, in the other side, um, and maybe not in all cases, because I, I don't know all the aspects of the non-union world, but maybe they view it more as just a job. Hey, I just need this job for right now, and I got something else I'm you know planning down the road. But the guys take it seriously. And 
And it, it's nice to be able to be, get into a career that you can take seriously, but then you're also treated seriously. You're treated like you're not just someone that's not doing nothing between nine and five. You bring a value to the table. So you're paid for that. So you're paid f- through your benefits. You're paid through the higher scale. You're paid through good health insurances and stuff like that. Uh, one thing on benefits I, I kind of wanted to bring up that our local started a few years ago that has been absolutely wonderful. As a matter of fact, we used it <laughs> last, or a, my wife used it yesterday, is so we all contribute to a health and welfare fund. Okay. And the fund is managed and we, we have, uh, we contract out health providers and stuff like that. Right. Just like most big companies do. So we have that big health fund that we contribute every hour. We contribute a little bit. So we have this money and a lot of it, and in the health world or the healthcare world, there's a lot of waste. There's a lot of abuse. There's a lot of fraud. There's a lot of all that stuff. So what we decided to do, and a lot of other places started doing this, is we opened up our own clinic. It's a wellness clinic. And it comes out of our fund and it's only for our members. And we have two offices, one here right down the road and one uh, on the other side of town, kind of closer in Summerlin, I think. So Summerlin and Henderson. And uh, we have our own wellness clinics. We have a doctor that goes back and forth, and then we have a, uh, a doctor's so is that assistant. For, for that, someone when you're sick, or can you go in and say, hey, let's get you tested for your cholesterol? Can you get tested all for— that. Uh, the testosterone from our episode before, yeah. when I went to go get tested, that's where I went. Everything is free. You don't pay a copay. You don't pay anything. It comes all out of our fund, and it's for us and our families. So it, 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 it's almost like a glimpse of free health care, which that's another subject. But we can go But we can go there, and we can – and like I said, it's not a doctor. They're not going to cut you open or do anything like that. And if it's too serious, they're going to uh, uh, re- refer you to a specialist and stuff. Yeah. But like yesterday, uh, our youngest son had a high fever – the night before, uh, and that morning, my wife calls the, the the clinic and sets up a time for her to go to get him in. And we found out he had uh, type A flu. So mm. we got him all the stuff that he needed. He's feeling a lot better today. But it, it's nice that we don't have to worry about, I mean, like, we can get in there and, and, and we could be seen. And the nice thing is we're being seen by the same person. Yeah, It's not like... Well, we're going to the doctor, and we don't know who we're going to see that particular day. So these people are starting to know who we are. They know yeah. our names. They know our children. They know this kind of stuff. And we start building that relationship with them. So it, it's been huge. Then I found out through uh, one of our uh, union officials of how much money that has saved our fund by just doing that. So we pay their wage or their right. – the, the, we run it. Right. We're the supporters of it. And it has saved our fund huge amounts of money because we're not just throwing it into the, the wild other, healthcare system. Right. And the members have absolutely loved it. So all sports physicals, we go there. Bumps, bruises, wellness checks, all that stuff. There's only been a couple occasions that we've gone there. And you know how, you know how it is having kids. Yeah. 90% of your doctor visits are because they slipped on the floor and banged their head and their or eyes aren't ear dilating. Ear, infect- ear infection. Honestly, ear infection all should not time. be a doctor visit. Yeah. So, so all those little things. Actually, I've got man, a story for huge. ear infection. So, you know, we're uh, Sarah and I are in social in uh, Costa Rica, and 
that's where I served my mission, and she wasn't feeling well. So I go down to the pharmacia, which is the pharmacy, mm -hmm. and for five bucks, he's like, here, take this, go back, boom, she's feeling great, like the next day. And ever since I had that experience, I really desire that experience. And so I, I kind of baseline, like, well, and then I grew up in the HMO world. I, my mom mm -hmm. worked for the county, and, and we grew up on the health plan in Nevada. And I know a lot of people are, are disenfranchised by HMOs or, P, you know, and you want PPOs and you want this and you want that. And um, I am a big proponent of, of, of wellness. Oh, yeah. Because I... Um, because if you're if you're well, your body's always talking to you. It's a matter of do you, are you listening, mm -hmm. and and so it's that sounds like a fabulous fabulous benefit, like Huge. way far and above. Because a lot of people are like, yeah, can I get in? Or you know, how much is this going to cost? Exactly. We're we're dealing with some issues right now on on the billing side, um, and it has some 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 of that too. Is is the way. My wife views the billing is, and it's not even her. It's it's, there like insurances will go back and forth with the health provider, and we may or may not get a bill. We may or may not know yeah, what, how much it it's is. Horrible. We may or may not know, you know, and, and this all this limbo is really hard to decipher, and it's because the insurance companies are trying to, you know, do their best to save, you know, save money, but yeah. yet. And so also dealing with a case where kind of a sad situation where some clients were, are in a, um, uh, uh, you know, kind of an end of life type of hospital, not like a end of life, but, uh, it's specialized for, you know, older people. And, um, you know, a lot of things that the health providers are doing are dictated by the insurance. Like absolutely when they're released, mm -hmm. when, you know, when do they need to be somewhere else? What type of treatments can they get? They're like, this is what you can get on this insurance. It's like, yeah. you get three of these, you get four of those. And it's kind of, uh, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't give you that warm fuzzy. No, for sure. Well, see the other thing with this clinic. So we, obviously we have the clinic, we have the doctors and the nurses that are a, a part of the clinic, but there's one thing that comes with it. And one of the nurses does, and we've had this experience that we got, uh, the daughter was checked into the hospital a few years back that we also have what we call an advocate. And now this advocate will show up every day when one of our members are in the hospital and especially if we are, we went to the clinic first and then they referred us, hey, you need to go check yeah. into the hospital. We, this is what we suggest you do. We have that advocate that shows up. What that does is the advocate shows up and she has, I don't know how she has the rights, but I don't know all the fine details, but she goes in and she grabs the charts. She knows how to read the charts. She knows what's going on. She checks and makes sure two things, take being taken care of and the hospital's not mismanaging our funds money. So if they're wasting money on this x-ray that maybe the x-ray is not needed or something, yeah. that advocate will step in and, and kind of manage for us. Yeah. Because as, as for me, I'm completely a victim when I go into the hospital. If they tell me, hey, you need this, I'm not going to argue. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what I, I mean. I'm not a doctor. I have no idea what's going on. But this advocate does. 
And then the advocate will come into bedside and explain to us everything that's going on. Okay, they want you to do this. You really don't need this. You need this and you need this. And this is what the chart says. And this is what's going on. And everything's good. And you hopefully you'll get checked out tomorrow. And she just fills us in. And then she leaves. Yeah. To me, that value there gives you that warm and fuzzy when you're at the hospital. You And it feels like someone has your back. And that's the beautiful thing. Even on the job sites, you know, when you're union, you, someone has your back. Someone is there to take care of you. And I, I've always told people out there, that may not like the unions because then it becomes a political thing to some people. Yeah. And I tell them, I said, well, I'll tell you this. You want to end unions in America? You want to stop them? You want to put them out of business? Treat employees right. You treat employees honestly, fairly. You pay them. You give them the, the benefits that they deserve as workers. You'll put a union right out of business. The unions are successful because of greed and dishonesty in the workplace. Yeah. That's the only reason why they keep growing is because employees are, are tired of it. There's a company in town and I don't want to say names just in case, but there's a company in town that we keep wanting to, um, organize. Right. And the owner actually came up through our local and he kind of started his own business and he has one of the monopolies in service here in Las Vegas. And, uh, he sells and he, he, he buy, or he sells and he maintains, uh, almost all the boilers here in Las Vegas. And we've always tried. And he's always told our organizers, it's up to my employees. If my employees vote, then I have no problem doing it. Yeah. Well, the reason why the employees never vote yes is because he treats them fantastic. He pays them good. He gives them company trucks. He gives them benefits. He gives them everything that they need. And they don't feel like a reason to have to pay dues or have to be involved in something. Yeah. And, and that's a hard act to follow because it's like, usually we organize companies that treat their employees like trash and it's easy because we tell them, listen, this is what we provide. We can stand up for you. We can do this, we can do that. And they're like, oh yeah, dude, that sounds great. This guy, this guy is just killing us. He takes money away from us. Yeah. Where the company that actually treats their employees very good, it, that's the hardest ones to organize because the employee's like, dude, this guy's awesome. Yeah. He, he treats us great. So you want to end it. That's how you do it. And the same thing like with health insurance stuff. I mean, there's so much dishonesty and greed amongst the health insurance world that it's, I think it's put a dark shadow over healthcare professionals. It's not the doctors and nurses fault of all of this. It, it's, I think this once again, opinions of Adam short, it's the, it's the insurance companies. They dictate what the doctors and nurses can do. They dictate all that because they have all the money. Well, I think it's it's actually a symbiotic relationship. I think some, you know, there's always bad apples in every bushel. And I True. think, you know, there's because of, and you mentioned it, fraud. Fraud, whether it's in retail, whether it's in healthcare, whether it's in, in business, actually costs everyone. It literally does. It, yeah, it's huge. It really is like a plague. And, uh, and so, and I've seen that cases too, where, you know, looking back, this doctor blatantly overcharged this, you know, doctor, you know, reused needles. You know, we have a, a family, it's a, um, a family member's dad, um, an in-laws family member, you know, roundabout way, you know, was one of the uh, victims of a doctor who in in order to 
you know, cut costs, reuse needles, and, you know, rein, it ended up reinfecting his uh, patients with hepatitis. Oh, gosh. You know, crazy. something that will never leave those patients. Yeah. And once again, I think you hit, I think you used the right word, right? Greed and, yeah. and, uh, in that's all boils down to literally yeah. like you'd rather risk, you know, risk infecting people for like a, what, a dollar, dollar fifty, whatever a needle costs. Yeah. And, uh, well, I, I like how you said like, you know, I mean, there is bad apples everywhere and, I, and I'm not trying to say that all union people are saints and we're the righteous people of the world and everyone else is wicked. I'm not saying that at all. There's, there's, you can just Google it and you can hear the stories of fraud and dishonesty amongst their people too. Yeah. Sometimes the bigger the union that gets, the more, the harder it is for its members because the same problem exists. They become more powerful, more money and stuff yeah. like that. Um, I, I'm, I consider myself very grateful, the plumbers and pipe fitters, and that's the one I can speak of the most because that's the one I know. But uh, for that one, we're very small here in Southern Nevada. We're not a huge, huge union like, like the Teamsters or the Culinary Union or some of the big ones that you hear about a lot yeah. more. But we're a small group, and it's fun because when we go to the meetings, when I go to the meetings, I know a lot of the people. We we know each other. We see each other out there. We see each other out in the public, and and it it, it feels it feels a lot like like family, you know. Yeah. And, and and it's nice, but uh, the benefits, you know, they they really look out for for what the best interest in it. But I really encourage people that like you know if you're on the fence and maybe. The, the traditional education through a college system is not really kind of what you want. and uh, Or if it's not working out for you. Yeah, like Exactly. That's what, you know, so in the last year of college, you know, one of the professors is like, you know, she's like, or I forget where it was along the way, but, you know, one of the college professors was like, college is not a training. College is to help educate you, to mm -hmm. help help grow you. And so as far as professions, and usually do that later, like if you're going to become an attorney, you do your four years and then you go on to law school. Law school, yeah. Uh, you're going to become a, you know, a doctor or a PA, you do mm -hmm. your four years, then you do another, you know, four to 12 years yeah. in, an, in, a, in a specialty training. And so uh, very rarely, I think, you know, maybe accountant or teacher, you know, you'll come out and you can get a certificate afterwards. But for the most part, college is a training ground and it's it's not it's not a training ground it's it, it's to get educated and and there's a certain speak and there's a certain you know way that you can you get things done and so not every profession needs it and so no. and it is I, valuable it I'm is not, valuable I'm not taking that away but it's also not for everyone and no. that's why i think it's it's good to talk about i don't think it's talked about enough is you know what if you're a plumber dude awesome yeah you know what? I obviously will be calling you when I have plumbing needs. Oh, you're an electrician? Great. You yeah. know? Yeah, your value grows big time. Yeah. Well, one of the guys that I'm a fan of, and and we one of the things that Eric and I, when we started this podcast, the, one of the rules that we would never talk, and I completely agree with, is we never get too political because we don't want this to be a political podcast. But one of the guys that, that I kind of follow that I kind of like is Andrew Yang. And the, his big preaching is automation, that the, the world's going to automation. We're starting our fourth revolution in, in AI. And, and he has some good points. Self-driving yeah. cars coming, 
the machinery, the the way, you know, a lot of automation is coming up and it's cutting out the human factor in a lot of these jobs. But to keep in mind, the trades, when you drive by our new stadium, yeah. they're not a bunch of robots out there and there never will be. There's always going to be a human element when it comes to construction. Yeah. Automation can creep into a lot of our industry in the manufacturing and into shipping and into a lot of different types of things. But it can, it's not going to creep into construction because there's a human element there that just you have to have. The human element of design, these buildings have to be designed and engineered by someone. Then they have to be built by someone. And they're always valued. I had a friend hit me up. Uh, I haven't talked to him in a long time on um, Facebook Messenger. And he's thinking of, of uh, he wanted my opinions. He, he, he's always been interested in welding. And I shot him some articles that, that I know that good welders when when we go on the jobs and uh, as a pipe welder and that's what i turned out as uh when you show up on the job on the pipe welder, you got to take what we call a gate test you take a test before you even start the job now yeah. you get paid to take that test but you go in the booth and you burn a coupon a coupon is just a short stick of two pieces of pipe you weld it together and they tell you how to weld it, whatever the test is. Right. There's many procedures. You weld it, and then, they'll, and then they tell you how they're going to test it. They can dye test it, they can x-ray test it, or they can cut strips out, and then they bend it. And these are all different series of tests to show how, if you're a good welder oh, well, or not. Yeah. If you're not, they ship you back to the hall. Okay, no, you're not good enough. Or you could pass the gate test and you keep working. Finding men and women that can pass those tests and can get on these power plant jobs, these refinery jobs, these big jobs that require the, these kind of welds and this kind of piping is really a, a huge shortage in America. And they are paying, there's some places in America that, that need this so bad and our refineries and our power plants and stuff are getting older and older and they're constantly rebuilding them. Right. They are such in a demand that they're paying higher than scale union sets a scale and that scale is usually just the minimum a company can pay even more than that and yeah. the incentive to get more worker the good welders to their job they're paying higher they'll, they'll add ten dollars more an hour on on top of union scale already just to get hey we need welders and it's so valued and and but people aren't getting into it people aren't taking the classes and 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 doing it, um, the, it, 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 there's a shortage. It's yeah. supply and demand. And yeah. if it's needed out there, then the value comes up and scale comes up, conditions come up, benefits come up, and they pay for that because there's just not that many out there. So I encourage people to do the research and figure out what you like, you know, uh, even if it's being a wireman or sheet metal worker or laying carpet find something that that you can still take care of your body and take care of yourself but also provide a good living and figure out what training you need so you figure out what you kind of think that you'll like and then and then give it a shot but almost all trades have that what i got into as a helper yeah and you can get into it very easily it's it's and you could kind of learn and see um i don't know man laying laying concrete or maybe being a roofer in Nevada is not really what I want to do, you know, to, yeah. to each their own. And, uh, if they don't want to, if they don't like that type of work, then they can back out and maybe 
find something else. I know a lot of people who have done that, who started a trade and it's like, ah, no, this, this really isn't for me. I, I really want to do this trade or yeah. this one, you know? And, uh, but I, I really encourage it. Uh, one of my big fan, or I'm a fan of, uh, Mike, uh, who's a guy always dirty job guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Dirty job. Mike. Yeah. Uh, Mike Rowe. Mike Rowe. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a huge advocate for the trades all over the country. And yeah. he's, he's always encouraging people to, uh, to seek that out as an option for, for the, our youth as if, if traditional college isn't for you, there's so many other options, so many other options. And it, it's, it's been a blessing in my life and many others. And, and I, I, I don't know, I can't say enough about it. Well, thanks. I appreciate you talking about it. So yeah. I think it needs to be uh, preached a little bit here and there. So and, and if anyone has any questions, you can always hit me up. I, I answered the Instagram, uh, staying in trouble uh, on Instagram. You can uh, DM me and I'll, I'm the one that would answer it. So if you have a question and if you want a connection or something, I can shoot you a website numbers and I can, even if it's not for the plumbers and pipe fitters, I have I know a lot of guys in the other trades and I can get you names and numbers so you can get connected there and maybe make a phone call and maybe start a future career. Sounds great. Awesome, man. This has been right. a good episode. Yeah. I love coming here and chatting with you, Eric. That's All right. good. Well, thanks for coming out to the Rooftop Realty Studios today. Thanks for tuning in to Staying in Trouble with Adam Short and Eric Humes. Thanks for all the support, guys. We'll see you later. All right.